0: My proven method shows you how to attract cash-paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method.
1: I'm here today with Lindsay Lesson, registered dietitian, wife, and mom to two dogs and a toddler. Through Lindsay's personal health journey, she's learned a lot about how undereating can wreak havoc on women's health. For 13 years, she didn't have a natural period. And she and her husband wanted to begin trying for a baby. She felt lost with no direction on how she could get pregnant. By the grace of God, Lindsay finally found a book about hypothalamic amenorrhea, also called HA, and decided to stop all exercise and eat much more. In less than a month, she got her period back. Three months later, she got pregnant naturally despite being told that she needed fertility treatment to start a family. This experience has led Lindsay to want to support others who have lost their period due to HA. Her hope is to help women feel inspired and empowered to recover their period and restore their fertility by letting go of food restriction and discovering food freedom. Welcome to today's episode.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Libby. I'm I'm super excited. I've always wanted to be on the Dietitian Boss podcast. This is like a big milestone for me. And for those interested, you can find me on Instagram at food.freedom.fertility.
1: Awesome. And, and happy to have you. So I'm, I'm equally excited to be able to share your journey. And uh, I love your bio. Thanks. Yeah, really clear and succinct. And um, we've had I've had other HA dietitian guests. So it'll be really nice to add your perspective to the, to the story. So speaking of your journey and, and who you are and how you position yourself as a dietitian, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? And how you've created your business kind of like where you are today a little bit of background?
2: Yeah. I think that in a kind of a weird way, like my journey with AJ actually drove me to want to help other women and actually start my own business. And so really it was just kind of like a personal health journey that I realized that being a dietitian, we know so much about nutrition and dieting. And I think that just with my type A personality, it led me to a lot of disordered eating tendencies. And so I just had a long background of under eating and that's really helped kind of shape my philosophy with nutrition in regards to letting go of food restriction and adopting food freedom and helping other women do the same thing because that's typically what leads a woman to, to losing her period is when she's restricting food too much, she's exercising too hard. And so that's, through my own experience, it's created a passion where I want to really help and inspire other women that doesn't have to be that hard, you don't have to work that hard. And it's actually not healthy to be kind of that obsessed with what you eat and, and, and moving that much.
1: Yeah, excellent. So then that's your philosophy in the background on that. But what about how you grew into your your role as a virtual dietitian coach? Like, did it start on the side? Can you walk us through a little bit of that?
2: So yes, it definitely started kind of on the side. It's still pretty much is still a side business because I still work in corporate wellness full time. But I kind of just started seeing more and more dietitians on Instagram, like having their own businesses. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like people are doing this. This is so cool. Like I wish I could do that. And I think I kind of went from like, I wish I could do that to maybe I can do that to finding resources through this podcast and through other dietitians who are doing, you know, running their own business and doing it really well. And, you know, finally just kind of got the nerve to like get started and learned along the way. And then obviously, you know, signing on with you and doing coaching has, you know, helped me learn so, so much as well too. So I guess it just kind of evolved and, just through like being inspired by other dietitians kind of doing their thing. And you know, I was like, I want to do that too. I, I think, I think I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that. I think that that's really special because being inspired hashtag women, helping women by those around us is a big deal. So when, when you think back to school, did you feel that way when you were in school, or did you only feel that way about the inspiration of other fellow colleagues like on social media? Talk to me a little bit about how you've seen that change in the market, if at all.
2: Yeah, I think that like when I started in school, because it was so long ago, it was like 15 years ago. I don't think that people were really doing it. I mean, people definitely weren't having virtual private practices. And the people that were doing private practice, they had so many years of clinical experience. And, you know, it was just hard. It was so intimidating. I think it's so intimidating to start your own business when you think about, well, everything, but especially when you try to start like with a brick and mortar because you're like, how do I have enough money to open up an office and getting things in place? And so I wouldn't say I was like super inspired to start my own business like from the get-go, but I have always, you know, drawn inspiration from other dietitians. When I initially started out, I thought I wanted to do sports nutrition. And so I was always shadowing sports dietitians. I actually got my certified specialist in sports dietetics. And so I've always kind of, you know, sought out mentorship in certain ways. And I guess in a roundabout way, reaching out to other dietitians who are further along in their business has been really helpful too, just to connect and get inspired and also get a little bit of input.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate that reflection about brick and mortar versus virtual. I do think the barrier to enter is harder, but also with COVID and everything, it's a perfect time to shift to virtual. The cost is low. It's easy. And people are accepting a virtual. You do have to just double down on that's how you provide the delivery of your services. Wonderful. So when it comes to your philosophy, which you've mentioned and talked about, what has helped you become clear with your ideal client and how has that changed with your marketing message, if at all?
2: So getting clear with my ideal client, I felt like happened very organically for me because I have a personal history with this actual issue. And so when I think about my ideal client, when I was first starting out, it was almost like, Well, what was I like three to five years ago? So that was helpful in just getting started, but it definitely has evolved just in interacting with more women because, as you know, your ideal client evolves over time, but just interacting with women who have the same issue via direct message or also, you know, now taking on a few clients and learning more about kind of their background, their struggles, this, that, and the other has helped me to learn more. And then with regards to my marketing, I think when I first started my Instagram, I was kind of like talking to my ideal client but it was also just like putting stuff out there. I'm passionate about intuitive eating too. So it's just kind of like blindly talking about intuitive eating, not necessarily talking about how intuitive eating is helpful for my ideal client. And so I think over time I've just kind of learned that like every post should be speaking to one person and it should be, you know, specifically solving one problem. It doesn't need to be, you know, kind of hodgepodge on different topics. So yeah, wasn't exactly like aligned.
1: And so given that you have become more aligned, what have you seen as a positive outcome from honing in on your messaging?
2: I think that people just come to my page and they know what to expect. When I have a handle that's food.freedom.fertility, if you don't care about food freedom or you don't care about fertility, you're not going to follow me. And so I think that that's been really helpful. And you know, ideally, my ideal client is, is wanting both of those things. She's wanting food freedom and fertility. And I think that bringing both of those things into my post and making sure that my posts are talking about the problem that my ideal client has, and also how I solve it is almost like continuing to repeat the same message, the consistency, you know, that's what people need to hear in order to, you know, see your value and also want to buy in with you, they want to see that you're being consistent, and they want to understand what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And for those who don't know you the way I do from when you share your journey, can you talk about, was it difficult for you to switch your handle to what it is now, which is much more clear? And how did you hone in on the fertility angle and combine that with food freedom, which is more clear, but like what were some of the setbacks or barriers to to get to where you are now?
2: Yeah. I think that changing my Instagram handle was like was hard, which is so silly because it's not like my handle like previously. It was very generic. It was just my name with dietitian mixed in there too. But Push From You Libby was really helpful in like kind of honing in on the fertility thing because I think I had a little bit of an imposter syndrome with like, I'm not a fertility, I'm not a reproductive endocrinologist or like, I don't know a lot about fertility, but like I know a lot about fertility related to this specific issue. And you know, bringing that together with how I solve fertility with food freedom, I think has made it all kind of come together.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And that's really inspiring because talking about having imposter syndrome is something that the listeners and myself struggle with. And so talking about it with a specific example will help somebody listening say, oh, you know, I can identify that barrier and overcome it too. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And then given that you had that slight imposter syndrome, how do you feel about it now, given that your handle is more clear and attracting your ideal client? And we'll get more to that in a minute, but you know, do you look back and think you're glad you did it? You've slightly overcame some of that imposter
2: syndrome? Yeah, I'm definitely glad that I did it because again, I think it just makes everything a little bit more clear when you come to my page. Now you understand what I do. And yeah, I mean, as far as the imposter syndrome thing, I think that's something you just, you probably maybe never fully get over. You kind of got to take a step back and realize that you probably actually know more than you think you know. And you definitely know more than most people out there. You know, more than a Google search. And so you are a valuable resource. And so just reminding myself of that and you know, just what I do bring to the table with regards to what I do know about nutrition and bits about fertility and how nutrition can impact fertility.
1: I love that. You are more than a Google search that's going on in Instagram. <laughs> Credit to Lindsay. Love it. <laughs> All right. And then with respect to your offer, what has been the biggest challenge and surprisingly easier than expected when it comes to delivering service to the women who you, who you help?
2: the biggest surprise that's been easier than I expected was the fact that when you actually do get your ideal client on the phone, like it's not that hard to sell because you connect with them instantly. You are able to communicate, you know, their pain points relate and you're able to, you know, offer your solution and help them. So I think that once all the pieces come together, making the sale, you know, actually isn't that hard. Um, the hard part is getting the right person in front of you. And so with regards to offer specifically, you know, just coming, overcoming those barriers and having a mindset about that you are worth what you charge because like, even still, I think my prices are a little bit low, which has made me a little bit more confident in knowing that. But when I was first starting out, like, I think just like anybody, you're kind of like, wow, we're are people really going to pay this? And if you believe that, that's going to come off in your sales calls. And so it's really hard to confidently sell something when like you don't even really deep down believe your value of your offer. So I think that getting over that and get evolving to have the mindset that like I am worth what I charge because I provide an excellent service has been really helpful in coming out more confident on sales calls and making the buyer more confident because I'm more confident.
1: That's amazing. I love that and then when you started out did you start out with single sessions or did you start out with a package from the get go
2: so i kind of did it backwards because i built out this package program because i knew that that would best support my client when i first got on you know my first couple of discovery calls i didn't have sales right away and so i kind of like circle back with two different clients and offered like a step down kind of one time session, you know, just to kind of get my feet wet. And then from there I went straight to package. So I never did bundles. I actually wasn't even really aware that people did bundles and what that stepping stone was, but I appreciate it. And I think that it's an appropriate step. I probably should have done that.
1: Well, what you're doing is working, right? And I think that you selling a package and knowing that you have a, a process and a system that works and that you're attracting your ideal client that's what matters. And the reframe of feeling like it's easy when you get the right person on the phone, that's the beauty of like aligned marketing is that mm-hmm. sales doesn't feel exhausting. It feels natural, whether you're selling a package, a long-term package, or even a, a shorter commitment type of package. So uh, that's great. That's really inspiring. And uh, when it comes to sales skills, you've kind of talked about that. Um, but what would you say outside of having somebody who's more aligned with being your ideal client What have been some of the things that have helped you improve, if anything more than what we've discussed
2: about? So many things, because I don't have a background in sales. So I'm still, I'm kind of constantly learning. But one of the biggest things for me is to slow down on calls. So like saying something and then like pausing for 30 to 60 seconds, because I think that Sometimes I get really worked up and I talk really fast and then that comes off and it probably makes the client nervous. So slowing down on the call and, you know, also just leaving space and listening to the potential client, the call, if you're talking on the call more than they are, that's not a good sales call. And so listening is super, super important. And then of course, repeating back their pain points so that they know that you understand and that you guys are on the same page about what the biggest issues are.
1: I love that. And that's so true. And I believe that when you learn how to conduct a sales call in a way that's empathetic and focused on the client or the prospect, because you're not talking more than they are exactly what you said, it translates really well into coaching. Like that's really mm-hmm. what coaching is too. So I like to tell my clients that when I, you know, help give them skills for sales calls, it's really helping them become a better coach would you agree that some of those sales skills are translatable to actual paid coaching sessions?
2: 100%, because that's what coaching calls are too. It's about them. It's about letting them talk about their issues. And yes, you are there to support them and you're there to, you know, hopefully provide some solutions and guidance, but you're really there to listen. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of coaching.
1: Totally underrated too, right? Because I know a lot of dietitians, we get nervous.
2: And so we yeah.
1: do talk a lot. And we don't realize that just showing up, you know, because they're paying for our time, right? So just showing up and being a resource for them and letting them speak and, and say what's on their mind, is, it really goes a long way. Uh, showing up is more than half the battle, right? As <laughs> yeah. And for a dietitian who might be listening and feeling inspired, but maybe a little intimidated because sales skills were not taught to us in school, or maybe she hasn't yet mastered the art of marketing in a way that's attracting the type of person she wants to work with, What tips or advice would you have for somebody who's a little earlier on in their journey than than you are?
2: Number one, you got to get started, right? Like you're never going to be where you want to be if you don't get started. And so maybe that just means interacting with people on Instagram via comments or direct message and then hopefully getting them on the phone because the more that you practice your your sales, you know, in real life or your skills rather, the, the better you can get. And then, you know, with regards to like being nervous for having those conversations, I mean, just be genuine, you know, you're, a dietitian, you got into this business to help people and it's just a conversation and you want to learn more about your ideal client maybe and how you can help them. And maybe you can help them through making a sale. If not, worst case scenario, you're just learning more about your ideal client and how to better serve them.
1: I love that reframe. Absolutely. I think that's so helpful. When, when, it, when we feel intimidated, it's to say that every sales call is an opportunity to learn how to better serve your market and how to fine tune your skills, which again are translatable to actual coaching. So I believe you can become a better coach even just by doing more sales calls and then just honing in on those skills and constantly being a resource. And I know a lot of some of my clients, if they don't make every sale, they get upset or frustrated, and I try to remind them that you know that's one learning experience, right? And, and that you're not going to sell everybody on the phone. The yeah. goal isn't to sell every single sales call. It's to, to you know, provide value, identify your ideal client, find a, an aligned fit, and then take note of how many, like what percentage your close rate is. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your experience with that. And then when it comes to Instagram, do you have any other tips or tricks or reflections about how you use the platform to market and sell now versus how you used to earlier on before you changed your handle?
2: Yeah. Well, initially, I think that I was not posting frequently enough. And so if you want to take things seriously with your business and really use Instagram as the marketing tool that it is, you know, you got to be posting consistently. And I think that posting, you know, when people know that they can expect to post from you at 7 a.m. or, you know, whenever it makes sense for your schedule, they kind of feel like they get to know you. Another big thing that's been like super helpful for me just with like engaging with clients and actually getting direct messages and then potentially booking sales calls and making sales is talking in my stories. And so like, I think that there's some sort of intimidation factor in commenting on someone's post that isn't there when you reply to a story. And the fact that a reply to a story sends you a direct message, and then you kind of have that like private communication makes it so personable. And so I feel like I've gotten me showing up in stories and talking to my ideal client is, you know, almost as important as, as posting on Instagram five days a week. Granted, you have to post because if you don't have a post, they're not going to just like stumble upon your story, or at least that I know of, I'm still figuring out Instagram. Um, but yeah, so, you know, engaging via stories, I think is actually a super, super important, you know, marketing technique from Instagram too.
1: And is that something that I, I agree? Thank you for sharing that. Is that something that you used to do? Or is that something you've done more noticing that that's a deeper way to connect with your audience and build a know, like, and trust and funnel them to a call?
2: Yeah, I think it's something that I make a point to do now as I've realized how important it is. So like the first time I ever did a story, you know, you have like your heart's racing and you're, you know, you're about to press post and then you're worried that you sound silly or whatever. And that intimidation factor, I mean, you just got to get over it. You just got to post the story and, and and talking on stories gets so much easier over time, just like everything. But yeah, so I kind of went from like randomly doing it and then noticing that I was getting pretty good engagement from doing it to making it a goal to make sure that I show up on my stories, not just like with my face. I mean, yes, my face, but talking on my stories, like actually answering a question from a direct message that I know a lot of other women have, or, you know, sharing something from a session or a discovery call that was inspiring and might inspire other women too. And asking my target audience questions too. Like I'll even ask them for, what are you doing this week to, you know, work on your recovery or how can I better support you? You know, like engaging with them and it helps you too. It helps you with, with your marketing and your content creation. Absolutely. And
1: you have such a good mindset about it because I do have other dietitians that say they feel, and so I do want to ask you about this, well, what if people aren't engaging? What if you don't know what to talk about? So what tips would you have for the dietitian that's kind of pushing back on this and still feeling intimidated, even though you've broken down in a very simple way?
2: Well, again, you just got to do it. Like you got to get started or you're not not going to get to the place where you want to be. And so, you know, if you're putting stuff out there and you're not getting, you know, any sort of feedback, keep trying and try different things. You can also you know check out other people 's accounts, like what are they doing and and what 's working for them, um, not that you need to do exactly what they do because it needs to be authentic and it needs to be specific to you and your niche but I've gotten so much of my inspiration from other dietitians and and their pages too. And not that I'm like completely copying people, but I mean, you can see what they do. You can see how people talk on their stories. You can see the types of questions that they ask. You know, you can see the engagement that they share from their followers. And yeah, I mean, if you're doing something and it's not working, you can always go back and, and try new things, but you at least need to try stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the main, the base of this, the foundation is to show up, talk in your stories, and if you're not getting traction, to keep doing it because getting started and being consistent will invite that dialogue um, and conversation because you're showing up. So really, mm-hmm. that, it all goes back to showing up.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that's that's really empowering. All right. And what were you saying about Entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah. I think one of the coolest things about being an entrepreneur is, you know, you don't have to just wait for opportunities or job promotions to like come your way. When you're your own boss, you create those opportunities and you can do what you want.
1: And can you talk a little bit about your process of creating Instagram content? And then if you can share any of the struggles that you've had with using the platform in the past or currently?
2: Yeah. I think as far as struggles goes is being new to everything still, you're still figuring things out. So like you might in your head have this like amazing post or what you believe to an amazing post and you post it and it just like does not get the engagement that you thought that it would. And so that can be really frustrating, but I think it's also part of the process because you're always fine tuning your content. So you want to see what works. And, you know, sometimes that means putting something out there that doesn't do that well. And rather than getting upset about it, you just kind of got to be like, huh okay, well, that didn't work. So, you know, let's go back to what does work. And over time, you know, you learn what resonates best with your target market and your ideal client. And a big thing for me that I'm still, you know, settling into is like, it's okay to repurpose content, you know, redo things that worked really well, saves you time. And it also is going to resonate well with your ideal client because it already has resonated well with your ideal client. But I think that like on our own accounts, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to look back at my grid and they're going to see that I just did that same post three weeks ago. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> Nobody's looking at your content as, you know, obsessively as you are. So just <laughs> not thinking like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And so what you're saying is you shifted your mindset to taking your content strategy and changing it slightly to communicate the same message instead of reinventing the wheel. Is that correct?
2: Yes, and it saves a lot of time and energy. And then also outside of
1: efficiency, which is huge when you're running a business and a mom like you, but it's also a matter of you getting the results you want, right? So the results you want is to get people to book a sales call so that you can use your skills with the right fit to get them to become a client into your services, right? So if you can take another version, a similar version of what you're doing, Right, which is the work we do, and find the, the version that's resonating and recreate an element of that, then you're going to get more people to book a call. Right. So that's it, sounds like it's so common sense, but it's not.
2: Yeah. I feel like, you know, when I'm creating content, my temptation is just to be like, all right, let's do something, you know, totally new and, and really special and really unique. Yeah. And that's great. But like, if you do that every single week, you are going to burn yourself out. Like nobody has that much time and energy to to dedicate solely to content creation on Instagram because there's so many other things to do in your business beyond just creating content.
1: Yeah. And also it's the mindset of, of if you're, if something works and you're getting the result you want, and for you, that's a sales call, then you just keep doing what's working. Right. I mean, it's really that simple. So once you find what's working, do it again and do it more and repeat it. And in a slightly different version of it. And then that creates community and it also creates that continuity. Like you said, showing up, you know, mm-hmm. setting up and posting regularly is helpful. Also posting things that speak to your ideal client and their biggest pain point, solving their biggest problem with the solution you provide in your business and doing that consistently with slightly different iterations. That's what they want right? And that's what we also want too. When we're looking to get help for, for anything that we're seeking help for, whether it's business or anything.
2: That's so true because it's not like their idea. It's not like their biggest problem is, is changing. It's, it's always the same problem. And so if you're always speaking to their problem, then you're giving them what they want.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you're doing a great job at that. I just, I love seeing your content and the community you're building and the specificity and hearing that you're, you know, helping women and the women that you want to work with. That's just an incredible message and role modeling for all the listeners.
0: So when it comes to COVID and
1: knowing that you're a mom, how do you stay realistically committed to growing your virtual business given COVID and taking care of a child?
2: Well, I've been really fortunate because my daycare has still been open. So it hasn't affected, you know, my job in particular, but I will say that being said, majority of what I, because I do still work 40 hours a week at a corporate job, majority of the time that I dedicate to my business is weekends. And so you know, asking for support from my husband, like, hey, I've got a discovery call this morning, I need you to, you know, watch our toddler for, you know, the next half hour. And he is amazing, and always steps up and supports me 100% there. And then utilizing the time that I have. So luckily, we're in a good schedule right now, where we've got a two hour nap on Saturday and Sunday. And that is my, you know, time when I get to work and get busy. And so just kind of time blocking and focusing on the time that I do have and not stressing about the time that I don't have.
1: That's a really positive reframe. And when you look at your week, is it helpful for you to use time management skills and like create an ideal week and think through when you can optimize and be as efficient as possible so that you're not just randomly trying to fill gaps into your day?
2: It is the only way (laughs) to be organized and get things done and not feel like it's chaos.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's really inspiring for all the listeners wonderful. So any other kind of tips as far as being a mom and growing a business that you think would be helpful, or it's just really a matter of time blocking and then working with your supportive husband?
2: Yes. Support and time blocking because you need to recognize that probably, you know, I only have one right now and we want to have more, but being a parent, like it's going to take, you know, a significant portion of your time. And so there's going to be things that you probably want to do in your business that maybe it's hard for you to do, or maybe you can't do right away, but you know, just doing the best you can, you know, and knowing that you can still, you know, be successful. You can still create content. You can still make sales. You can still do the things you want to do. It just requires being a little bit more strategic and organized, but definitely asking for support you know if you have parents you know that can watch your kid for an hour on a Saturday so you can take pictures for your content I mean just like little things like that definitely ask for support I know as moms and then I think just you know being like type a dietitian type women you know we want to think that we can do all the things without help but it's okay to get support too
1: I love that message thank you for sending that for all the moms and and non-moms out there for time management and so what advice would you have either to dietitians in general or somebody who is starting out? What's the biggest tip or you know, most impactful message you can send?
2: Yeah, of course, get started. Utilize your resources. Like This is a really great podcast. And I can honestly say, even before I started working with you, Libby, that so much of what I've done in my business, I learned on this podcast. And This podcast is free. So it's an excellent, excellent resource you know, and reaching out to other dietitians who are entrepreneurs, because I think that if you really, they might be really far in their business, they might be crushing it and doing really well. But the fact of the matter is that like, one, three, five years ago, they were probably like kind of right where you are too. You know, like people are able to grow really, really quickly. And I think that because we are kind of a small network, dietitians are always down to help other dietitians. So like asking for support or just inspiration, you know, I think that everybody I've ever reached out to has always been really helpful. Yeah. So utilizing your resources, I think that there are some good free ones out there.
1: Thank you for the feedback. And yes, I do agree reaching out to dietitians. They have been so kind and supportive. So I think that's, that's great. Lastly, what is next in your business? What can we, you know, if, if you're willing to share?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just continuing to, to build out my coaching program. I, I, am hoping to eventually take a step back a little bit with my corporate job so that I can have more time to coach. If things, you know, continue to escalate and grow, I'd love to even grow, open up like group coaching just to have the capacity to help more women, but, you know, doing it in the most efficient way possible.
1: I love it. That's an exciting, great stepping stone for your offer that would be supported by your continual, fantastic, clear marketing efforts. Um, So thank you for joining today. And if you could just remind everybody where to find you on social so they can give you, you know, reach out and tell you how much this episode impacted them.
2: Yeah. So you can find me at food.freedom.fertility on Instagram. And I would love to connect with anybody who is thinking about starting their own business and becoming a dietitian boss. Awesome.
0: If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.